This episode of the Unstoppable CEO podcast is sponsored by our referrable book program, where we'll create a great lead generating book for you. If you've always wanted to write a book for your business, but never managed to get it done, let us do it for you. To find out if this is a fit for you, schedule a quick 20 minute intro call with me at unstoppableceo.net. Click the book a call button. Now on to the episode. Welcome to yet another joint episode of the Unstoppable CEO Podcast and the Advisor Inner Circle Podcast. My name is Steve Gordon. I'm your host. I'm here with my co-host, John Curry. John, welcome. Good to see you again. Good to see you, Steve. So we left a little cliffhanger in the last episode. We talked about um, books and, and the value of having a book. Um, and and I think you and I both believe that, that a book uh, by itself can revolutionize a business. Um but today, I, I want to talk about uh, what I'm calling out-of-the-box marketing. And maybe that's not the right title, but uh, I think for for you and I, this is not out-of-the-box stuff. This is sort of a lot of what we, we sit and come up with. But for a lot of people, it's going to be out-of-the-box because it's either stuff they've forgotten or they think doesn't work. And my goal for today is to plant some ideas in folks' minds that take that take you beyond what am I going to post on LinkedIn today, and uh, and kind of move beyond the thing that everybody's focused on. Because I, I learned, uh, God, many many years ago, I listened to a recording of Earl Nightingale, and one of the things he said in this recording was that. When when you don't know what to do or when when you're uncertain, look around, see what everybody else is doing, and do the opposite. And most of the time, you'll be right. I, I still believe that's true more so than ever. Yes. <clears throat> and, um, and so uh, we're going to talk about some things that maybe a lot of people have forgotten of, and particularly with what's going on uh, you know, in 2020 and now into 2021, may think isn't even possible anymore. But uh, I think it's more important now than ever. So to lead us off on that, we're going to talk about a few different methods here over the next 25 or 30 minutes. Um, let's talk about events. Now, Obviously, you might have to get creative while this pandemic is going on, depending on when you listen to this and how you do the event. But that doesn't mean events aren't still very much possible. Um, but, John, in the last episode, you mentioned what was a very unique event, which was your book signing. Right. So give us, a, a, again, for pe- people who maybe haven't listened to that episode, just a, a, a quick overview of the book signing. Because when you came up with this, <clears throat> I I just thought it was a brilliant thing to do. Most people who write their own book don't think of having a book signing, but you didn't just do a book signing. You turned it into this whole community event. So so walk us through that. Well, what, uh, what Steve's referring to is I came up with the idea of, okay, we're going to do this book signing at the university club. So I approached the university club of which I'm a member. Would you host a book signing for me? I tried to get them to cover all of it. They said, you know, you have to pay for the food, but we'll cover everything else. Well, why would they have covered any of it? Well, uh, only because I'm a good member, okay, and it would give them publicity. And I'm and here's what I here here's my sales pitch. I'm going to be bringing dozens of people here that are potential members for you. And the minute I said that, that's okay, good. We will we will charge you our costs for the food. That's it. That's fair. So they gave me all the facilities that I needed uh, in exchange for that. So it was good for them. So number one, I helped them. 
And then I went to my friend, Ken Armstrong, who was president of United Way at the time. I said, Ken, I would like to raise some money for United Way, but I need your help. He said, okay, what do you need? I said, I would, I would like you to be there and help me promote it to United Way newsletter. They did. Uh, he introduced me. And instead of one of the, a great audio recording of it, to have the microphone on while we were doing it, this is back in 2009, December 10th, 2009, day after my birthday. So I had a lot of friends and clients there, plus people I didn't know. And originally, my game plan was to give 20% of the proceeds to United Way. Well, I got the idea before he introduced me, I said, I'm just going to give all the money tonight to United Way. So he announced that. And, and so, I mean, people were lined up. We sold over 100 books at night. You know, at 20 bucks a piece. Mm-hmm. So he was happy. I bet he was. I was yeah. happy. Yeah. And it was a good event. And I got some good PR out of it. We got a lot of photos because, of course, I had somebody taking pictures that we could use. But that's one. And it went very well. And, and at some point, there'll be another one for the book that's coming out. Yeah. And so, so that, again, I, I think most people wouldn't, Think about all of the different aspects that that you executed on that. It's going to the local charity and saying, "Look, I'd love to raise some money for you. You know, will you come introduce me?" And uh, and he gave you a glowing introduction. Um, and you know, and and that really not only did it give you access to their audience because mm-hmm. you know it's, it's the United Way they they within their database because they're trying to raise money all the time. They've got all the people who have money in the community, which are good people for you to be in front of. So there was a lot of strategic thinking that went into this. And I want to I want to make sure we sort of unpack that well, as we go through each of these. If I were doing it again with that particular group, I would do something a little differently, though. I wouldn't just rely on the mass mailing they did because we did not get some of the higher level people there that I would have liked to have had. So I would do it differently now. I would go to some of those people myself and not rely on the newsletter to get them there. Mm-hmm. But I have no complaints because not only did we have, I, I, I think the exact number was like $2,300 we did that night, but another 2000 came in later. So they were happy. And they gave me credit for that as if I had donated that money myself. So that helped me too. Wow. Yeah. So, and, and you know, it, it's funny because you always, after you do something like this, you see the ways that you could improve it. But I actually see a lot of people. Well, if you're, uh, wait a minute. Not necessarily true. If you're an analytical thinker and you're trying to improve and get better and you're constantly seeking how to do things better and better, yes. True. But I've seen too many people that, well, I, I blew that. And then, okay, you can stop there. What would you do differently if you were doing it again? Hmm. What could you do? I, well, and I was just, I was going there, but you made the point better than I would have. Um because I see this mistake made all the time. People will do like a webinar, they'll do a presentation or a seminar back when, when, you know, you could do in-person seminars fairly easily. And the first time out of the gate, they wouldn't get a great result. Um, you know, but they'd get a result. It just, it wasn't the, you know, hit it out of the park, you know, home run that, that, uh, they were hoping for. And they, they stop. Well, let me tell you about my, one of my seminars. I'm doing a seminar. It was a Hilton. Now, as we know it as the Double Tree, February of 1981. Back then, I'm using flip charts. Didn't have a computer or projectors. A guy comes walking in the door. I'm thinking I'm set up. I had about 30 people in the room. He comes walking in, cigarette hanging in one hand, 
big old long ash on it, drinking the other thing, goes, oh, what's happening here? Crashes on the floor. And we're all looking, we're thinking, okay, this is a joke, it's a setup. Guy's lying there. All of a sudden, people come running in. Oh, my God, there he is, there he is. I'm halfway through my seminar. I didn't do another seminar until October of that year. October. And then one day it hit me, you cannot allow something like that to stop you from moving forward if there's something you want. And ever since October of 1981, I do seminars on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Now we can't do live seminars, or I'm not. I guess I could. Couldn't for a while, for sure. But we do webinars about every two weeks. Mm -hmm. So we'll come back and tie that into events in a minute. But that's an example of where I allowed a bad experience to keep me from doing seminars. I even said several times, I'm not doing a damn seminar ever again. (laughs) You know, after that experience, I could see why (laughs) you might say that, but... Uh, but that would have cost you a lot of money over uh, your career. Not only that, it would kept a lot of valuable information uh, away from people who need it. Yep. So it's not just about us making money. The money is nothing more than a reflection of the value that we create. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, so that, um, you know, as we're, as we're going through this, the thing that I, I get asked all the time as it relates to marketing is, well, what's the best method? And, you know, <laughs> the method you're willing to use, the, the method you're willing to use that gets you a result. And, and, and the, the big lie is that you can really accurately predict that ahead of time. Um, and, and part of that is what you're bringing into it. Everybody gets wrapped up about marketing method, but actually about 80% of your result has to do with your message and your offer. And, um, and the combination of your message and your offer and, and your market, the people you're putting it in front of. If those aren't all aligned, then it doesn't really matter what method you're going to use. It's probably going to fail. Um, yet nobody wants to do that work. That's one of the most important things we do with our clients is we, we say, whoa, 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 I know you want to do this or you want to do that, but let's get this piece sort of laid out and mm-hmm. clear first. So I think that's important. But then once you have that clear, this is where I think it gets fun because you get to be creative about how you market. Um, so stay in on the theme of events. Okay. Um, you went and I'll never forget this. And this is the way I always describe it because I, I got to write some of the copy for this. You exhumed <laughs> one of our founding fathers. Yes. Um, and I, forget, I can't remember what the year number was, but I, in the copy that I wrote, we actually said mm-hmm. we we dug up, you know, 100 and excerpts was 200 something years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben Franklin. Right. Um, and Ben Franklin came and appeared at uh, initially at one of your seminars, but but then made repeat appearances um, coming from the grave. Uh, talk about that a little bit. First of all, why why Ben? You know, why not George Washington um, or Teddy Roosevelt or anybody else? So why Ben Franklin? Because this is important. Well, the short answer is because I have a very dear friend who is a Ben Franklin impersonator. So I knew I could get him to come do it, and I paid him, so he made some money. It also gave him the ability to be visible to several people. 
So I asked him to come do it, and he did. We've done four, maybe five so far. Mm -hmm. We'll be doing more. Yeah, but I, I think the reason that Ben Franklin's important for what you do related to finance because he's on the hundred dollar bill. Well, he's on the hundred dollar <laughs> bill. You know, um, is I believe he's the one that said a, a penny saved is a penny earned. Yep. I mean, he's got all this these financial <laughs> quips and wisdom. And what we did is we took some of those things from Paul Richards Almanac. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we use those some of the uh, the sayings, and we talked about them in modern days time. So, <laughs> what we would do is, old Ben would say this, and John would say this. Mm -hmm. Old Ben would say this, and John would say this. So we had some fun. Yeah. But more importantly, during the refreshment time, refreshment and registration, he was walking around talking with people in his costume as Ben. He stayed in character the whole time. From the time he walked in the building to the time he left, he was Ben. He was Ben. And people loved it. Yeah, people had a, a blast with it. Now, you might not go get Ben Franklin as you're listening to this, but, I mean, if you take that idea and adapt it, there's so many interesting and fun things that you could do uh, that will get people to pay attention to you. So when we did that, we did direct mail campaign, postcards, we did emails yep. with a picture of, of Ben Franklin. After the fact, you used it in your newsletter yes. again and again and again. Um, you went and then did because now people had heard about it because not only did we have the event, but we talked a lot about it after the fact so that those who weren't there got this sense of it, you know, which is one of the things that I want to touch on in a minute is having sort of this, this omnipresence in your marketing. Um, but talking about it after the fact teed up. The next time that Ben showed up, which was July 4th, right. um, so he, well, you did a July 4th event. Yeah, but remember also the photo op, because we mm -hmm. had pictures taken oh, that's of right. him standing in front of the flag with Benjamin Franklin. Yeah, so everybody everybody who attended got a photo with, with Ben Franklin. Right. Like, you know, that was their parting gift. Right. It was a lot of fun. And it... it you know, it, everybody gets so focused in their marketing on being about the thing that they're selling and not about necessarily the experience, but the experience is what people remember. Right. And they remember you for that. And they'll know what you did, but they probably didn't need all of the, the technical information about their finances that they got and probably don't remember any of that. But I bet you for sure they remember I got my picture with Ben Franklin and that was because of John Curry. Mm -hmm. And whenever I need to think about money or finances, John Curry's my guy. We've had a lot of fun with that. Yeah. And, and also another one that's close to that is remember the concert pianist, Martin McGoldstein locally, mm -hmm. is sponsoring things to raise money for charities. Again, the first one I did was for United Way. And then later for Honor Flight, we raised thousands of dollars. Done multiple for Honor Flight, right? Tens of thousands of dollars, yeah. Well, and he and, and here's a guy who just happens to be in the local community, uh, but he is a, a world-renowned concert pianist, and um, and you know you were able to get him while he was in town, and so I mean we're in a, a small little city in in Florida, and it, you know from from here there aren't that many opportunities, but if we can come up with these opportunities here. In any other place on the planet, you can find these things if you're creative. And that's... Well, well Dan Kenny thought enough about the Ben Franklin deal that he, when I sent it to him, he mm -hmm. had me sitting front and center mm -hmm. going through the material. Remember that? Oh, yeah. At his uh, uh, Dan-only event in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so, th those are some different ways to think about events. And, of course, now 
at, at the present time, you know, when we're recording this in early 2021, you might have to be really creative about the, the way that you conduct one because you might not be able to be in person, but that'll go away at some point. Let me jump in because you kind of, you said it real quick though while ago about how you, you helped put that together. Uh, you're being modest there because of the relationship that you and I have. We were able to sit and brainstorm and then you were able to take over that project and create a beautiful postcard that helped us get the job done. So what I'm going to, the point I want to make here is you can't do it by yourself. You can. You can, but you'll be much more powerful if you'll team up with someone else to help you with it. So whether it be with Steve and his his team or someone like Steve, find someone that will get you thinking and brainstorming. Because every time we're together, we're sitting here across the table right now. Every time we're together, we get we get juiced up. I call it, and we get creative ideas. Absolutely, absolutely, and that, and that's the key um, because these are the things that 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 people remember and that that make you stand out. So. Um, you know, I, I want to talk a little bit about, um, postcards. So you brought in and you gave me a copy of it here, John, a, a postcard and it, it just jogged something for me. I honestly, I, postcards aren't really out of the box marketing. Um, they're kind of like marketing 101, but for an awful lot of people who think that all marketing boils down to what they've posted on social media, mm-hmm. uh, or what's on their website that nobody's coming to visit. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of value in direct mail and you don't have to spend a ton of money. Um, and so you brought in a postcard, which, um, honestly, I hadn't done one of these in a long time. And I'm, that's one of the things that happens when you <laughs> do as much as we've done and we forget. Right. And yeah. so, uh, we did some of these for you in the past. I've done some in the past and it's basically a postcard that's all text. And it's, uh, what is this one about a six by 11, six by 11. So, um, and, and that's a, you and I both like that size because that's the max size you can get before you go up to a much more expensive level of postage, but you can fit a lot on it. So on this postcard that we're looking at, and maybe, uh, maybe we'll link this up. Um, actually I'll probably go find one of your examples and we'll link it up or attach it to the, uh, the, the show notes. Um, but it's effectively a sales letter. It's all text on one side. It's oriented, um, in uh, portrait, so you would hold it, you know, like you'd hold a, a, a page, a sheet of paper, and read from top to bottom. And and then over on the back side, they've got obviously the address and the stamp and all that, but they've also got a little bit of teaser copy. And but, I, I, but my first thing is they, they wasted a lot of real estate. They did, yeah. yeah There's a lot of room on the back side they, where they've got the address. They should have put more copy. Yeah, they use one quarter. See, I'm going to use a minimum one half to three quarters of that page. Yeah, I'm going to take advantage of every space I got. You know, but it's it's a white postcard with black text it is there there was no graphic designer involved in any of this and that's okay and i'm gonna guess it probably works pretty well because it's offering a free report um if i were to do it i'd offer a book and so you have in your hand over there uh, you picked it up a minute ago postcards that we use to advertise uh, uh, my podcast prospecting book and we send this out we got a version for uh for marketing agencies uh, because we work with a lot of them we've got a version for consultants and, uh, you know, we send this out and people will raise a hand and, and request a copy of the book and boom, there, we've got a new lead. So there's all kinds of things that you can do that. I think a lot of people have just forgotten because we're in this digital age and everybody thinks everything is digital. And when you start to get creative with these things, as, as you've learned, 
it, it just has so much more impact because you're going into an area of somebody's life where they're not experiencing the kind of noise that we experience online. You're right. And I, I want to comment on something else. This really it just popped in the head, this really out-of-the-box, off-the-wall marketing that most financial advisors would never think about, and they'd laugh about it. But, I, but you, you, these coupon books that you see, mm-hmm. I ran an ad in one where typically you see the restaurants advertising years ago. Now, I didn't get as good a quality of a lead as I wanted, but it was pretty effective as far as at the time of what I was selling. Also, the vow packs, you know, where you're one of several. I don't think that's as effective for financial advisors, but I got one client from it that was huge. <laughs> I, I mean, real big. And then I have, then I just, let me see what's popping in my head. I remember just as a lark, I decided to run a half page ad focusing on one of my seminars. And I can only identify one guy. This is the newspaper? Yes, the newspaper, half page ad. I can only identify one person that became a client because of that ad. But I know that that ad helped drive other people when they saw their emails, they saw the postcards, because it was a um, two times uh, half page ad in the paper in a week, postcards and email campaigns. So and I, I know they all work together. Yeah, and it was all it was all kind of hitting at once. Um, and I remember all of that really well um, because we we helped put that together. And and I'll tell you that, that that there's another quality to this. And when you begin to get creative and think about all of these different things, um, and, and you think, okay, well, how can I show up in a number of different ways for people, and not just one way? How can I do a number of different things so that when almost everywhere they look. I'm there, mm-hmm. you know, and if, if you can begin to engineer that, that's one of the things, you know, this is one of the reasons that I harp on, you know, getting clear on your ideal client, because when you get that narrow enough, you can actually afford to do all of this Correct. because you're not trying to do it to the whole universe. Um, but, but pulling all of these things together is what actually makes marketing work. And everybody wants to boil it down to what's the one tactic I should be doing. And it never, it's never one. You know, you hear people that, oh, I ran Facebook ads and, and I got, you know, I, I built a million dollar business from nothing. Um, first of all, that rarely ever actually happens. Um, second, you don't know what they had to spend in Facebook ads. It doesn't, it's not really a very impressive million dollar business if they spent 950000 to, you know, in, in ad cost to get there. And that's probably not all they did. So, um, you know, so you, you, you have to look at, at these things as, um, you know, how do they exist in an ecosystem? Uh, because all of it's important. Let's talk about this. You've been to several of my seminars. Yeah. Let's talk about how mine are. I hold them at a country club and fancy restaurants and spend a lot of money, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You spend, what, probably $10,000 every time you do one, right? I don't, but we both know people <laughs> who do. So, oh, can I tell you? I had a guy challenging me. So an advisor heard us somewhere and he called me and got, got on an appointment and um, got on my calendar and we were talking and he said, um, you know, I, I heard you talking about doing seminars and that's great. And we do seminars and I just want to figure out how to get more people to my seminars. And we got talking about what he did and all that. And and he was spending between eight and $10,000 a seminar. Mm-hmm. Most of that was spent on the venue and the food. Yes. And I said, you got to be kidding. I said, and, and he wasn't doing great business. I mean, he was not operating at your level. Um, and 
Uh, and I said, well, that's really interesting. So the first thing I would change is I would do it at your office. And then the second thing I would change is I, I would do the bare minimum of food. And then the third thing that I would change is I would make all of your marketing not about the great venue and the food, and I make it all about the, the problem that you're going to solve for them. And he thought I was nuts. Right. He said, people only come for the steak. If they only come for the steak, then they're not a prospect for what you're selling. They're a prospect for dinner. Well, when they come to my seminars, it's in our training center at our office, and they get... Go ahead. I want to stop you right there. Okay, I, want, I want to do this a step at a time. So <clears throat> you come to your training center. Mm-hmm. You know, I've talked about this. The, the reason that that is important, folks, is that John is training them, not in the training center. He's training them actually in their car how to get to him. Right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> proceed. Okay. If you want to start that early on, even before that, the way they are invited actually tells them what to do. You know, Drive to our office. There'll be assigned parking places for you. And the ones that we knew were going to be big, I'd have people out there directing traffic and guiding them as where to park. So it was more of an event atmosphere. But uh, when they come in the door, we control the space so they can't just walk to the back until all the team wait until the lobby's full. They've registered, they signed in, got their name tag, then bring, start bringing them back. Because I want to say when you walk in the door, it's like, oh my God, this place is packed. And there are four chairs and a love seat there. So only eight or nine people can sit, so the rest are having to stand. So really quickly, it's standing room only. Correct. Even if it's not a huge event. Correct. So then my team... I'll have uh, Jay, for example, will escort the ladies and Audie will escort the men back like you'd expect to see at a wedding or something. And they're escorted to the back. Here's the food. You know, please help yourself and then grab a seat. And that's the out-of-the-box part of this. Anybody can do a seminar. But thinking through all of the little things, and whether it's doing a seminar, the point of this episode isn't to say, go do this. It is... Get creative and be thinking about how you're engineering the experience of all of your marketing. Um, all right, so they do that, and you don't buy the steak dinner. This is not, you know, like I used to live in South Florida, and the way that financial advisors market down there is they they buy a bunch of the the old blue haired people steak dinners at whatever the trendy restaurant is, and mm-hmm. it costs them a fortune. People you, do it here too. Yeah, I, your food sucks, by the way. I, I've never done it. Yeah, I know. I've been to your seminars. The food sucks. Uh, the food does not suck. The suck. The food is very good. It's just that it's not a steak and lobster. It is a nice. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna hit you in a minute. I know, <laughs> <laughs> folks. If you hear a thump, it'll be because I knocked his ass out. Um, <laughs> but we'll have a, a uh, fruit and cheese platter. We'll have some fried chicken. You know. Chicken strips, things like that, little sandwiches, hors d'oeuvres. But people love it. Yeah, they do. They have a good time. And, well, and, and frankly, if people are not coming because they want to learn more about the message that I'm sending out or the problem, how to solve that problem, I don't really want them there anyway. No, no. Um, but again, that's a, a different way of, of thinking about an event like that. Um, and so... Um, all of this stuff is worth really kind of going through. So, um, you know, as we're, I know we're getting to about the end of our time today, but 
Uh, Let me tell you something. Yeah. Some people are listening to this, so that's great. I can't do a seminar now. Let me tell you what we're toying with. Sure. I'm going to send out an email and see if there's enough interest. We've already, uh, April and I discussed this. So we got to be comfortable with social distancing. People are concerned about where the food comes from. So what we're working on now is how can we have something that's contained in a manner of where you're not over at the table serving yourself. It's put in front of you, but it's sealed up. And everyone, you've seen our facility, if it's a couple together, that's one thing. Individuals would have one person per table. So we could have it set up, okay, if you're by yourself, you sit here. If you're with a couple, the two can sit here. That's what we're working on now to see if there's enough interest. If there is, I'm going to revive our seminars and see how it goes. Yeah, there are ways to do it, for sure. Um, but there are also ways to to take that concept and... Um, and bring it online. And I think it right now is the best time that we've had probably in history to infuse some fun into it. And uh, you're talking about keeping costs down. When I do the webinars, I have virtually no cost. Right. No yeah. cost. Yeah. But I mean, we'll have 60, 70 people on the webinar. Well, and, and, and you could revive Ben Franklin and have him come and talk about, you know, whatever on... Uh, you know, in a virtual format and, and make that more fun than, Oh my gosh, I got to sit on another boring zoom call, you know, and maybe you do Ben Franklin, maybe you don't, but there, there are ways that you can take some of these ideas and then get creative and adapt them. And that, that's really the point that we want to make today. Um, so we could keep going for hours. Actually, we're going to go to lunch now. Yes. Um, and, uh, probably have a scotch, and get a lot more creative with marketing. Because you um, made me work so long today, it's going to be a late lunch. I know, I know. Well, folks, thanks for tuning in. Um, I hope this has been helpful. I hope it sparked some ideas for you. Um, if you want to brainstorm some marketing strategies, give us a call. I'd love to help you. And uh, John, always a pleasure. Let's, uh, let's go eat. I enjoyed it.